Welcome to OsteoCast, where we talk all things osteopathy, functional anatomy, and movement. With your hosts, myself, Colby Brokel, Amanda Boysen, and Sarah Pucal. Hello, hello. Welcome back to OsteoCast. Back with your hosts, uh, Sarah, Amanda, and myself, Colby. Uh, today we're jumping hello. on this podcast here. We're going to chat a little bit. Hello, hello, uh, they say. We're going to jump on this one and we're going to chat a little bit about business. Um, not getting in crazy depth. None of us are experts by any means, but we all have our own clinics up and running and kind of the transition between finishing school and moving into professional practice and some of the things you have to consider and then also some of the difficulties each of us have had and kind of jam about that. And hopefully this can help you when you get your own practice started to not make some of the same mistakes that we made and uh, be able to be as good as you can getting started. So uh, with that being said, I don't know which one of you guys uh, wants to start, but give us uh, give us a rundown of kind of how it was coming out of school after finishing, you know, eight years of university and school and uh, starting your own business. Well, I'll go first, I guess. Sarah's pointing at me in our video, so I think that means I get to go first. Um, so coming out of, you know, eight years of university, university and osteo school, I didn't take one single business course in that entire time. So coming out of eight years of university and osteo school, um, I hadn't taken one single business course. I was a partner in a business at that time while I was in school. So learned a lot from there that I kind of transferred over into starting my own um, osteo practice. But we were lucky enough to be able to um, start our business as rehabilitative manual therapists in our third year of school. So I think all of us started sole proprietorships at that point. Um, uh, yes. Since then, all of us have incorporated at different stages. Um, but basically, it was trial and error and talking to a whole lot of people to start with and make sure that, you know, we were getting our getting the right things done at the right time. Um, but it basically started with providing really good treatment for a lot of people and word of mouth business. Uh, I would agree with Amanda, you know, many, many years of university and uh, two degrees and you uh, come out still not taking any business yet. So um, I definitely relied heavily on a couple of business friends I had um, and the interweb to really just kind of pick up any key elements I was missing. Uh, like Amanda said, you kind of get to know colleagues, get to know other people in the industry and just pick their brain when you need to or take their advice um, where you need it uh, regarding what to do. And as she said, we got to start treating as a student in our third year, uh, which was amazing because it starts to build word of mouth in the area, starting to let people know what osteopathy is. Um, I'm sure you guys get this all the time, but I know a lot of people still are very unsure what the the profession is and what osteopathic treatment involves unless they've been to an osteopath or know someone who sees an osteopath. So, I mean, the biggest thing getting started out of school is really getting people to understand the profession and what you do and how you can help them. Yeah, I don't know about you guys, but I was straight up terrified. So <laughs> coming out of school, I mean, like I had worked and done my own stuff prior to that, like personal training and whatnot and basically running your own little business. Um, and I had a whole bunch of mentors, uh, through that time between, uh, personal training mentors and, and people that worked with me, like when I first uh, started after the second year of school, getting into third year, but I was terrified to like 
finally be out on my own because for like years, everything had been guided. There was a curriculum, there was homework to do, there was a, a goal, there was homework, there was something to get done. And then finally it was all done. It was all gone. And it was pretty cool. I mean, to, to be out on your own and have that freedom. But at the same time, I was terrified to be making those decisions on my own. And then another thing that happened for me that, that I don't know if this happened for you guys or not, but all of a sudden, instead of just relying on yourself and getting your homework and stuff done, like there's patients relying on you. And at the time, you know, it was a couple here, a couple there, and it built up to, you know, 70, 80, 90, hundred patients a week, depending on the week. But it's like every single time when you go to the office, there's people relying on you to give results and you're taking money based on the results or to help people. So I was absolutely terrified when I, when we first got out of school, opening that freaked me out. They started off like, um, I think the experience is important that you start off and you're working in another clinic or someone else's space because you get to learn from the people that are around you in terms of the business component, but also just how to talk to people and customer service and stuff. And then, I mean, at this point in time, all three of us have our own clinical spaces where we've opened our own, our own things and we see our patients there. But yeah, absolutely. Like agreed with the things without having a whole lot of uh, education on it, but mentorship and really a, a, a try and learn as you go. But I was straight up terrified. Yeah, now that you've said that, Colby, I'm thinking back and I can remember just it was it was terrifying, especially when you tried it when you had to make that decision to go off on your own, right? It's it's always that fear of what if or you know, that always that little negative piece in your mind that you kind of have to shut down, especially when it comes to the running a business and being an entrepreneur. Well, and did either of you start in other clinics? Because I don't think any yes. of us did. I did. I don't. Why don't I remember that? When I was in, uh, so when I came out of school in third year, I was practicing at a massage therapy clinic Alrighty. in the east end of town, and then I, I ended up at a second clinic because they kind of recruited me on the other, like in the center of Windsor, I guess, the center of town. Um, those two were where I was practicing for a while, and then just before I opened my own clinic altogether, I was practicing under the house for a little while on my own until I opened the clinic that I have now with the other practitioners. That's so funny. I totally forgot about that for you. Yeah. There was a period of time where I had that, where I mean, at one clinic there was like a fascial release uh, practitioner and two or three massage therapists. And the other clinic had like 12 massage therapists. So you kind of got to see how numerous different people ran their businesses. Of course it wasn't osteopathy, but you still got to see how people interacted with their patients and how they did things, which was definitely beneficial in terms of, you know, the simple things like greeting somebody at the door or whatever that may be. Yeah. See, I've always worked by myself from the get go. So it's a little, like I worked or rented space from another massage therapist. Um, but we were always there at separate times because there's only one space. So, um, it more so came down to talking to people and really following what felt right based on advice that had been given or things that I tried or really thinking critically about, um, what worked and what didn't as far as running it or what made sense for me and what didn't. Um, and then Absolutely. talking to everybody else and asking questions and, you know, picking people's brains where I could. Yeah. And I mean, like, so what we're getting at or what I'm getting at with that stuff is like, don't be scared. If you're a student listening, when you finish up, like finish school, don't be scared, get into it when you're ready and you can safely take care of patients, then, then do it. And expect it to be terrifying because I think that like that scared part is what makes us work hard and review and, and in osteopathy, we'd say dig on 
where we go back and look at our anatomy and physiology and think about why things didn't get better, why things did get better with certain patients so that you can progress yourself as a practitioner. And then as Amanda said at the start, like business is about, especially osteopathy in, in, a, in a clinical field like this, your job as a practitioner is to, to help people. And if you're not giving very good treatments or outstanding treatments, you're not going to build a strong business. So the number one goal is that, and that is review and reflection and, and continue to apply different things and work so that you can be a better practitioner. Well, and continued learning, like not just from a, a practitioner standpoint of like treating patients, like you've always got to be reading, learning, looking things up, um, you know, thinking critically or sitting on patients that came out wrong, sitting with patient <laughs> treatments. Um, oh God, about, Mandy, what's happening over I there? I know, right? Um, like why, like, just like Colby said, why it went wrong, why it went right. Um, or, you know, why this patient maybe isn't getting better. So it's important to do that kind of stuff. But from a business standpoint, you're still, I'm still taking courses and figuring that stuff out and, you know, talking to accountants and lawyers and, you know, people in the field and the marketing side of things and trying to, you know, build that all up and do all the jobs. And maybe I'm at the point where maybe I need some help with that. Right. Cause it's just not a reality to be able to do all of it. Yeah. Well, and that part never ends and it should never end. Like if you, if you stop learning whatever it is in, in the field, business, leadership, whatever you're reading or learning at the time, then things stagnate and you don't improve. And you definitely in the field in general, you always want to be improving so that your patients have the best experience possible as well as the best results possible. And then, I mean, let's be honest, like you talk about business and about patients and it really is about the patients mm -hmm. and our businesses wouldn't be successful without the patients. But I know uh, Amanda and I um, heard this in a course recently, but it's like the number one thing about business is that there's, there's an income, there's money being made. So you also have to be aware of how much money you're spending on things and how much money you're bringing in because at the end of the day, like you're trying to make sure your patients can have best experience but also you want to be able to pay your mortgage or you know eat a steak like all those things or pay your rent at the clinic yeah <laughs> let's start there. all of the above right <laughs> well i feel like that's such a big fear of especially new grads coming out i'm sure in most professions about kind of going on their own so it's a good point you made Colby, if you can get into a clinic or get into a space where there are other people that can help you grow your practice, you can kind of learn the ins and outs from them and you don't necessarily have to come out of school and open a practice right away or your own clinic, we should say, but you're going to start building your practice right away um, with word of mouth, being good with your hands, continuing learning is a big one, especially with the days you get frustrated in the clinic. It's just about self-reflection as a healthcare practitioner healthcare professional and doing what you need to do to feel better. Yeah, for sure. And then like, obviously that's one part of business when you get started out. And then when you're looking at the business of a, a clinic or as, a, as an osteopathic practitioner, not just the start, but what are some things that you guys do on a regular basis now that are just part of running the clinic or part of running the business that you think other people might not uh, think of until you're in that situation? Well, I think there's a lot of things that we've put in, I've put in place that have helped with that in the recent years, but initially I didn't have a booking system. I would have got that from the get go. Um, yeah. just makes like your mm -hmm. life so much easier. You don't have to worry about, um, trying to figure that out when you're already busy, get really good at that, right. get that set up prior to that happening. 
Um, so what kind of what kind of stuff does that booking system do for you? Like why why does that make things so easy? Um, so it tracks patient invoices, tracks their date of treatment. It can take notes in there. It also is really patient friendly because it sends reminders, which patients love, and they tell me all the time that everybody needs to use this booking system um, because they get the reminder, they get the confirmation email, anything that's changed in the system, they get notified. Um, yeah. It's just a clean way and of like, doing things because I used to do all that manually. Yeah. Well, and like right now as well, like with COVID, that booking system in particular, because I use it as well, sends a COVID screening, you know, prior to yeah. someone's appointment without us having to go through and do that or have it filled out in paper in clinic. It's all done there and recorded. And, and the other the other side of it is I use this part as well is that it has all online booking. So your patients can go on and change their appointments and move things around if needed as well. So yeah. the booking system is basically like as close as you can have to a receptionist, but for like 80 bucks a month instead of thousands. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I use the same system as well. And just the fact that you can have all your initial emails, reminder emails, you ha- can kind of format all that and put what you need in it. So you're not worried about forgetting to tell someone something um, really user-friendly. Uh, it gives text reminders as well. Another thing I um, – do in the clinic. Um, I mean, that booking system has really taken care of a lot of the stuff we would have to do between appointments, which is really nice. So yeah, the things that it'll do between appointments, meaning like rescheduling and stuff, you can have people do that online and their reminders. But then so outside of the booking system, what else would there be? Like I know in my case, uh, booking system was important and, and one thing that was was overlooked in the business component. But I would say having a good accountant bookkeeper team combo is it something that it's hard to you know write a check every year or every month to have them take care of that service but to be you know positive that things are being taken care of properly that there's enough money being put away for taxes don't get yourself in the position where you aren't putting tax money away and then you get a bill at the end of the year that you can't afford but making sure that taxes are being put away properly make sure that profits are being recorded properly uh, properly make sure that, you know, you're paying yourself the reasonable amount, all those things, but the accountant and bookkeeper will keep track of all those things and make sure that everything is in, in order so that you don't have to worry about that. And I know for me, like my first little bit, I tried to do it myself and it was a mess. So I passed it off to the bookkeeper and accountant, and now I'm happy to pay them and just send them the stuff so that they can deal with it. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I tried to do it myself and it was messy and it takes up so much of your time because that's not what you were trained to do. Exactly. And just the, the legal side of things, right? Like this is, you are running a business now, you are generating income. This is as if, you know, we're working at a company. We need to be able to prove how we're earning our money, how much we're earning. Like Holby said, how much has to go to taxes? Um, there's so much on that tax front, right? That has to happen behind the scenes that again, you have to hire, hire someone to do, or maybe you had a previous accounting background. Yeah. And then another thing, Um, outside of that, that I find important is depending on the kind of clinic you're in, if you're on your own, this might not be quite as applicable, but making sure that the team that you have in the clinic with you, um, that it really turns into a team opposed to being like a handful of practitioners all working by themselves in their own rooms, doing their own thing, because that changes the environment and atmosphere of coming in and being inviting. Um, But also if you can have the ability to have a team atmosphere, then you can bounce ideas off one another uh, to take care of patients. If you have a question or you can't quite figure something out, if you're not sure about some accounting thing or how to write a receipt or how to, I don't know, do a refund on the debit machine, it's good to have that team atmosphere in place so that everyone works together. 
And that's sometimes a very difficult thing to do for the business. But I mean, it's, it's critical if you're in a clinic that has more than one practitioner. Yeah, yeah really good sure. point. That's something I, I miss being by myself is having someone else in the clinic to bounce ideas off of for sure. Yeah. And to give everyone the note, like, or to give you guys an idea, Amanda and Sarah both right now are working on their own in their own clinics. It's just themselves. Uh, and in my clinic, I have another osteopathic practitioner with me as well as a massage therapist. So I just, that was just speaking to that differently in the clinic. Cause I couldn't imagine if uh, I didn't get along with either of those practitioners or if either of them weren't interested in, in educating themselves and pushing the limits so they can continually get better. I don't know what I would do if I was the only person in my clinic that was doing that, that, that would drive me nuts. Yeah. And then from um, at least my perspective, and I'm sure Amanda as well, I know I make uh, a big effort at least once a week, if not more often, to reach out to other healthcare practitioners uh, within my area, especially your clients will come in and you'll start to notice a trend of which clients see which practitioner. And um, it is important, even if you don't have a team within your clinic, have a team in your area, someone you would trust to send your client for a massage for, or just other healthcare practitioners they know they can call you if there's um, maybe a client they can't deal with or something that's a little beyond their pay grade, they can call you in and vice versa. Um, so even though we don't have a team within our clinic, I do have you know, my list of practitioners that I fully trust and keep in touch with. And as Colby said, you know, having good relationships is really important with your community and with the people you see uh, weekly or daily. Yeah. And the same goes like in, in my clinic as well. We have to have that networking and people outside. And I like to call it more integrated care where we actually like, if I have a patient who's seeing another RMT or massage therapist or physio or, or naturopath and uh, our treatment plans need to be somewhat aligned with one another to make sure we're working together, I will always reach out and communicate with those people. That way we know what each other is doing at, to some extent so that the patient's going to be getting uh, the best result possible instead of working against each other or in some cases, you know, the patient's body can only handle one of us and it's time for me to, you know, give up the reins and have someone else take care of it because my job is not being done properly or vice versa, the the other place is not doing the results or just based on what the patient's preference is. But it's important to have that as well. Cool. Okay. Um, so that those are a couple of things, obviously, business-wise that's important. Um, we talked a little bit about coming out of school, which was important. We talked a little bit about some of the considerations we have in the office. Obviously, there are many, 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 many more. We could probably write pages and pages and pages of the mistakes that we made. Um, and obviously, there are people who are far, far, far better at this than we are. Um, I would kind of like to talk with both both you guys about what you think in regards to um, marketing and stuff around being a, con- a clinician. I know in my case, uh, we, I don't do almost any marketing at all. There's a little bit of social media stuff just to keep in contact with people and make sure that, that people know what you're up to. But what do you guys do in terms of marketing? Like, do you do marketing? Do you get most of your people from some sort of marketing or is it just purely word of mouth referrals? And then how do you go about word of mouth referrals? Do you just let people do their own thing? Do you give people, people business cards? Like what, what kind of stuff do you do to try and grow the business in that clinical setting? So... Um, as of this year, um, I actually don't have any marketing out um, other than, as Colby mentioned, social media. I make sure my Google page is updated. So I find most of my um, clients either come from referral from a friend or they found me on Google and I'm within their area that they're looking to see a practitioner. 
Um, so that's part's been very cool. I know in the beginning when I was building, I did put an ad in the local newspaper. Um, and that seemed to work quite well, too, just to start spreading the word of mouth within that area uh, for who was going to come see me. What about you, Mandy? Um, yeah, initially it was all word of mouth. Um, and then um, there's a couple other practitioners in my area as well. So I have done a little bit just to get my name out there because the other two people are fairly well known. Um, and I'm from a smaller area than Colby and Sarah. Um, I'm also a member of the chamber, so I have had an ad on their electronic board or just like my business name and contact info, but it's really been really basic and just things that I thought would be um, like a good, good way to get my name out there as opposed to, you know, I'm offering a deal or a discount or a this mm-hmm. or that. It's more so just about getting my, my, uh, my name out in the area. And then I've got a lot of business from Facebook referrals. So someone will be asking on Facebook and clients just respond because they, they value the care that I provide. So I would say that that's a lot. That's another spot that I get a lot of referrals from. Uh, nice, Mandy. Just to add to Colby's question, I didn't answer it. Um, regarding referrals from clients, I have little kind of four by six postcards um, which I kind of use as my business card. It has all the clinic info, a bit of information about osteopathy on the back. So clients tend to take um, a stack of those a lot of the time and pass them out, which has been really sweet. But uh, I think they like the fact that I have a bit of information. So often they don't know how to describe what osteopathy is and they can just read the back to someone to explain it to them and then let them know how they've been getting treatment and how it's helped them. Right on. Yeah. I have a little brochure as well that sits outside my clinic door. So if people, you know, if I'm not at the clinic, then they can grab that as they're walking by. Nice. What do you do, Colby? Well, I was just like, I'm along the same lines, but the point is almost all of us are doing word of mouth is the main part of it. And that just keys back to, we talked about with providing good treatment. If you provide good treatment on a regular basis to your patients and you do a good job, people will refer people to see it because all of a sudden they're not walking with a limp or they're, they're not cracking their neck all the time because it's no longer an issue or they, you know, they have good poops every day instead of being constipated and they're not in discomfort because of it. And people notice those things and then they share that word of mouth. So um, for anyone that's thinking about it in the, in the clinical setting, for the most part, anyways, in my opinion, word of mouth is the best way to grow your business and pretty well the most effective way. I think when you start getting into ads and, and deals and stuff, Amanda was saying when she was saying she doesn't do that, I was like aggressively head shaking, like be good <laughs> because I think it's wild that uh, practitioners will discount their service because what we do is not discountable. What we do is help people. And I think it's important to note that the word of mouth brings people in based on how good you are as a practitioner. And as soon as you're starting doing all kinds of extra marketing or spending, you know, 10% of your budget on marketing, this and that, it's, you've defeated the purpose in terms of being a practitioner, at least. Yeah. And I know when we were coming out of school, and a lot of grads would say this too, that your business, your practice is going to grow organically. And they were referring to word of mouth, meaning when you are ready, you will get more clients, harder cases will come your way. Um, that progression of your practice and your business in that matter will grow um, as it's meant to. So you also have to trust the process, as Colby said earlier. Yeah. Keep yourself educated, keep your head in the game, dig on. Well, you'll start to seeing changes just quickly, briefly to speak to that is like over time, you'll start seeing changes where instead of all your patients being um, sore backs and shoulders and necks, all of a sudden you're starting to see more people that are 
headaches and digestive issues. And it just progresses in terms of the difficulty of, of clients. And I don't think it's that the clients change. I think that your understanding and what you're looking at changes, but also I think that the people that come in simply with, you know, a sore hip um, is in and out of the clinic in a pretty brief amount of time where the people that are around for more than a couple of weeks are uh, a little bit more difficult cases, which is always nice because once you start to help those more difficult cases, you get more in and you get to help people in a different level than just aches and pains. Yeah. And just going back to like making sure that you're providing good treatment is really the key because ultimately we were trained to be practitioners. We weren't trained to be a business person. So when you talk to business people, they always want you to run the business a certain way or, um, you know, there's expectation as far as how you to run the business. But as a practitioner, I want to provide good service and I want that to be my business card. And that's what I want people to know about me. I don't want them to know that I ran a good business. So be a clinician, be a clinician first. Yep. Or as we would hear from, from, you know, Dr. Still and, and school and whatnot is like, keep it pure, man. Like do what osteopathy was, keep it pure. Yeah. Cool. Agreed. Do you guys have anything else to add in regards to this? I know we could probably do five more podcasts in this nature, but anything at this moment in time that speaks to one of those things? Nope, nope, nope. Not that I can Not think of. I, I think, think we of, covered yeah. it pretty good. So for anybody listening, please on this one, because it's going to help us learn as well. Send us some messages on some of the things that uh, you guys have questions about or that you've done that's been successful or a mistake so we can all learn from each other. We've shared some of our stuff. Please share some of your stuff with us so that we can all get better at the thing that we uh, we don't love doing the business side. So talk to you guys soon. Thank you for tuning in and uh, we'll uh, be back on next week. Sounds great. Have a good one, guys. Bye.